Hey everyone, welcome to Direct Connect here at Archer. We're uh, going to start off another episode today and talk about some really cool things focused on some TSA, a little bit of DHS, and see where that goes. Uh, my name's Stacy Bressler. I'm a managing partner here at Archer. I got a couple of my friends here in the in the studio or in their own studio. I got uh, Nick Weber, um, always a wonderful man to have uh, talk about DHS stuff since he used to work there. Um, then we also have uh, Steve Parker. Um, again, he's uh, heavily involved in the TSA stuff, so we thought uh, having him back on today would be a great idea, and we can uh, um, hear what insight he can provide to us. So with that, uh, welcome to Direct Connect. Good to be here, Stacy, and uh, thank you for the, the kind use of the word friend. So well, I'll, I'll take that literally. You, just for a little while, right? <laughs> we'll see what you say. I'll do, I'll do my best. There. I'll do my best. Yeah. This has been quite a couple weeks. Last two, three weeks. A lot going on in the oil and gas world. Lots going on in DHS. But what's up with TSA, Steve? I swear uh, the, the utilities are about to explode, aren't they? I, I think I think they are. Uh, obviously, it, you know, a lot of this stuff's happening behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, I've got uh, people I've known in the industry that... Uh, uh, that I talked to from time to time and I've uh, been able to do a little, little bit of work with some clients. Uh, just got, got a call yesterday actually from uh, a contact that I have at, uh, at, a, at a utility talking about some, want to talk about some TSA stuff that had recently happened. So um, definitely, definitely pop in. And I, I think the uh, utilities, uh, you know, you know, the electric combo utility, electric gas combo utilities uh, are no stranger to regulation and enforcement. So I don't think they're going to be, you know, overly shocked or surprised at, at what comes their way. But those Not entities surprised, that but they might be surprised with that letter coming out though, right? They, I they could well and yeah, apparently TSA has decided they actually want to, you know, reach out and touch someone and uh figuratively speaking, of course, but they gotta go out and um you know start racking up some frequent flyer miles and get some hotel points and they're gonna visit utilities. Um and they they want to see evidence apparently. Well, that's it. That's quite flat. It's that's pretty fast, though. You think about it, right? It's coming from, you know, an event that happened. Well, that's been just about a year, maybe a little over a year. I can't remember exactly, but you know, the colonial pipeline issue happening, and then we get into some TSA directives that come pretty quickly after that. And now we're already at visits. That's that's fast. It's it's moving quick now. Remember, they're operating under emergency authority uh, in this one, so they didn't have to go through a rulemaking process. Uh, they didn't have to work with a, a third-party industry organization like FERC did with NERC to set up the standards, and, and they'll they'll probably eventually get into that mode. But this was uh, done under emergency authority that they had already by statute, so they were able to move to move fairly quickly. And you know, I think there's a sense of urgency, obviously, because we had the the actual pipeline incident here in the U.S. Uh, the geopolitical situation is not helping it with things that are happening in Eastern Europe right now, uh, raising concerns, obviously, about the potential for that to spill over. Um, and the other aspect of this of this is there's a bit of a, uh, I don't know if I want to use the word turf war, we'll call it a turf war, I guess. Um, but FERC has expressed interest in having regulatory authority over the pipelines. Um, and That's so right. if TSA doesn't want to lose the authority they have, uh, I think it's in their interest to move quickly. Uh, put a stake in the ground, 
um, you know, plant, plant their flag, so to speak. Uh, I came up, was talking with one of our other colleagues, and he's, you know, figuratively speaking, uh, going out and doing site visits. They get to plant their flag at these entities and say, hey, you know, we've, we've got this. And it makes it harder for someone like FERC to come along and say, you know, we, we should be doing that. How does that work in, in D.C.? Nick, you've lived that world a little bit. Those turf wars, how do those, uh, how do those go down? 500-pound gorillas fighting over a banana. But I think uh, <laughs> DHS, whether it's TSA or, or CISA or someone else in that, that realm, I think already has a pretty good foothold. We look at oil and gas, um, whether it's CFATs. Um, a lot of these sit on waterways, so the Coast Guard gets involved, the MTSA. Um, I think it's, while FERC may say it's energy, I think DHS has got a pretty good leg to stand on by saying, no, 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 we already cover this. Um, there's also the point that I could see them pointing back and going, and we got to where you are, what, almost 15 years into the process in under a year. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. That's a, that's a big thing. I, I tell you, if I was someone sitting in Congress, I was really paying attention, I would go, yeah, Frank, I don't think so. I think uh, TSA is moving a lot faster and, and probably achieving the goals quicker. Painful probably for the utility, though. I, I, I feel for them. Uh, being hit on both sides, especially those combo utilities. To, to that to that point, Stacey, I don't know, have the utilities moved that fast? I mean, you say TSA's moving quick, and that may be true, but but has the industry come along? That's the real question. And not not does TSA have the regulations? Can the industry meet them? We don't know well, that yet. That, that's the next problem, right? <laughs> well, I guess the other piece I would ask from the utility side, is it really more painful to go faster but have clearer direction? I mean, We've been through what on some of these standards, version eight, um, and the NERC SIP standards. It's like I know that's the common thing we hear and working through is just tell us what you want us to do and make up your mind. Um, for for better or worse, the federal ones tend to do that a little better. That's a Nick. That's a little different than when they when the NERC SIP standards first came out and the and the reliability. It was like don't tell us what to do. Um, we, we have this, so, you know, the messages are always different. You know, utilities are going to try to protect themselves the best they can. Totally understand that. Um, I know I personally would rather have somebody come and tell me exactly as clear as possible what they expect. And then I know what's on the table and then we can fight about timelines. And I don't even know, is that even an option with the utilities or are they going to get fined now for not meeting a, a date? Well, that's a that's a legal question. I'll pass that off to lawyer. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know. I don't, you know I, I don't know. I I, I would suspect not. Um, you know the timelines were pretty aggressive, so I, I I can't imagine that they would go straight to a fine. Um, they're gonna obviously want to see progress. They want to see that things are things are happening and it's being taken seriously. And so they they certainly are gonna have the the ability to come down with some sort of sanction or, or legal process. But I wouldn't expect them to go that route. Initially, unless unless an entity is just truly being a bad actor, not at, not performing in good faith. Yeah, I think progress is the the most important thing. So that'll be interesting to see. But honestly, I think uh, the way they're moving, there's going to be a significant amount of progress forward that's going to be expected more so than it has for the electric side uh, of the sector. It. It just seems like to me the way they're going about this is going to end up resulting in getting further down the line. But of course, they have some leverage too of what they've done in the SIP world. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. I mean, I said they're they're likely going to have to go to rulemaking because they they can't operate under emergency authority forever. Um, at least I presume they can. It's the federal government; you never know. But uh, presumably, they're going to want to go to something more formal and more sustainable. Uh, so that rulemaking process will be probably a couple years. 
and there'll be obviously a lot of input from from all the stakeholders and and we'll see where we end up but what, what's clear uh you're right it's going to be a bumpy road right there's we we know where we're going there's going to be a permanent uh significant cybersecurity regulation on the pipelines uh we have a rough idea of what it's going to look like we don't know the details they're going to change um it'll, it'll get worked out you know one thing that i was uh thinking about in regards to tsa is maybe the rulemaking is a little different than how the FERC does it. I don't know if that's a different process. Um, is CFATs go through a rulemaking process or is that more dictation? I'm not sure. That one was, when I was at DHS, that was, that actually was part of uh, some pretty big change or turnover at DHS. It was such a mess. So I'm not, I don't want to say for sure, but I believe it was fairly well dictated. But it did kind of go through a cyclical process of let's start at a high level, light touch, and then slowly ramp it up. I'm not sure. I don't know that DHS will try to replicate that model in any one of its its agencies. So Steve, what, what, how would rulemaking happen in, in the TSA world? I know in, in the SIP world, we have FERC. So it's kind of a ERO relationship, and the they manage the utility um, community. And then, you know, FERC, goes and does their 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 decision making based on it that such input um, is that something similar that TSA has is there or are they would that be part of building out this rulemaking process well I mean the, the federal rulemaking process is is similar across all agencies we've seen it we just had the issue with uh, you know OSHA trying to do their uh, the vaccine mandate for employers that came through a rulemaking process right they they propose it they they put it in the federal register there's opportunity for comment uh, opportunity for lawsuits uh, as we saw there mm. so they'd have to go through something similar um, the exact process of how they go go about it obviously could, could vary uh, FERC is different and probably unique and possibly unique in the government space and that they don't get to write the rules they rely on NERC to write the rules and then they go and, and oversee it and, and approve it uh, TSA, at least currently, is not in that space. Obviously, there was the the legislation pushing for the EPRO, right, the Energy Products Reliability Organization, which would be a NERC-like model or ERO-like model. Uh, but absent that, uh, they get to write their rules, right? So they could just write the rule they want, throw it out there as a notice of proposed rulemaking or some similar uh, terminology, get comments, and then and do what they want, right? And then... Um, Industry obviously gets say through the commenting process, but they wouldn't have the ability to influence it the way the way NERC does. Um, uh, they could always go to court, right? You always have legal challenges, but a, a little harder harder right. to do in this case. Yeah, it's it's going to be. I, I'm. I might be weird, but this kind of stuff excites me, right? I get it's probably not exciting for utilities. But for me, it's, it's exciting. It's not. That's what <laughs> no, I, that's what I just... tell everybody you know, that I work with or talk to in any way, shape, or form. If they're at an entity, I'm like, you know, this is kind of fun and interesting for me because I'm not the one that's under the gun. I don't have to write the checks. I don't have to pay the fines. I'm not going to jail. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, but when you're on the receiving end of it, it's a whole, it's a whole different story, whole different, whole different ballgame. Exactly. And I can totally appreciate that. But the, the process is, and that's kind of where I, I kind of live, is I love process and I love understanding how this goes about. And, and um, no, I, we're never going to be without any cybersecurity regulation. So, it's, so, you know, it gets into the environment, they ain't going to pull it back, right? So, here it is. Um, but that that part of it that that just is you know 
just super exciting to see how it matures and how you know we all can have a positive impact on on what the goals are um you know us as consultants we have opportunities utilities have opportunities there's all kinds of stakeholders involved in here and and um hopefully we're all pushing you know towards this the right goal and and that's difficult to find right some because sometimes i wonder if it's got a political edge to it sometimes that may not be matched to reality and uh so anyway um pretty cool stuff with the tsa things uh anything else uh exciting going on there or uh, no, I'm, and it's it's new, you know. You and I, uh, you know, we've been in the compliance space for many years, and it's it's kind of like when you're listening to your favorite band, you got them looping on Spotify, and then they release a new album. You're like, hey, fresh music, you know. One of the things, Stacy, looping back to your question about where it lands, I would not be surprised at all if there's some intermediate steps along the way. Um, one of the things that we're seeing now is other sectors kind of starting to get pulled in as well. So it wouldn't, it could go to FERC for a year or two or three, and then. Uh, this administration, a new administration, decides we need consolidated critical infrastructure cyber standards, and it goes to, to CISA or some agency that doesn't even exist now. So, mm. I think uh, expect a lot of fluidity in, yeah. in where it goes and and who who controls things. Would the ERO potentially go away? Bye bye NERC. I would say that's probably on the table. Um, I know there are some very some of the, the bigger five hundred pound the six hundred pound gorillas within the executive branch that would love to see that, uh, just because. They have other competing interests. Most of the defense sector would love to see uninterruptible power that they don't have to pay extra for. Yeah, and, and it could just be the cyber side, right? The security side of NERC, right? The reliability side of NERC probably would not go away, but the cyber and uh, physical security could potentially move out. Potentially. We've been talking about that for a long time, though. Remember the, the thing that was floating around several years ago is the ESA that would come out? Mm-hmm. Um you know, the, the Energy Security Administration. Um, I don't know if that'll ever come to fruition, but those talks have happened before, and maybe that's something that, you know, that could happen in the future. Like you said, it um, we got to expect it to be fluid for a while, and uh, everyone is probably, like you said, push it, positioning themselves. And that that's that's the tough, that's another tough part for us all to watch. Um, gosh, you know, the utility trying to be compliant with something, trying to follow the bouncing ball, um, it's going to be, it's going to hurt a little bit. Well, I think that might also be part of what drives towards that consolidated regulator. Mm-hmm. Is if you're a, a, a mixed or a mixed fuel utility right now, you may be dealing with TSA, obviously OSHA, NERC, um, FERC. You're dealing with multiple sides of FERC if you have hydros. And you have the dam safety and then you have the reliability side. Seeing some of that come under one umbrella that could be a welcome thing for a lot of utilities. Yeah, to to your to your point, Stacy, and not to get too preachy, but you know when you're dealing with the uncertainty, you know having having some vision to, towards the future and not being tunnel visioned on today's compliance obligation, but looking more holistically and broadly at what good security is, it's going to set you up for whatever may come. Well, that's a good segue, Steve, into some of the things I've heard uh, in the. You know, these with these TSA directives, it seems like uh, there's a, a push from industry to go towards standards they kind of had written before. Um, we got AGA, and you got some and um, other other groups that they kind of are pointing to when, you know, maybe they should be thinking more about NIST um, as because that's been pretty well adopted in overall that the the cybersecurity framework out there is is pretty universal. 
and each sector is supposed to be mapping certain things to that. So it seems like that might be the better way of going versus trying to find, you know, this uh, uh, magical compliance wand that makes you perfectly compliant. Um, you find the, you know, the common grounds. Yeah, and, and I would hope that, I don't think you want the government to say, go do NIST, right? Um, you don't want them pointing to external documents as mandatory, but you want them to, whatever they put out, it should be consistent with the frameworks that you're already using. So that you're, you know, again, you're not recreating the wheel. Um, you can fit it into your existing program nicely and cleanly. Uh, so, so mapping it, they could take, you know, the NIST 853 controls. There's over 1,200 controls and control enhancements there. You don't want any government agency to drop 1,200 requirements on you. But they could go through that and they could say, hey, here's a minimum baseline um, that everyone should be doing. And you're probably already doing it, but now you have to do it um, with consistency and you need to be able to provide evidence that it's being done. That's the challenge for anyone, right, is to prove what you're doing. Um, that's the burden, the, the tax that comes with regulation. That just reminds me of the old adage you, I'd hear whenever I was lurking around the old SIPSI meetings with NERC, that your good security is probably going to make you compliant, but good compliance doesn't impact your security. Oh, that's absolutely true. Well, sounds like uh, we got lots of, lots of future TSA challenges uh, for the industry that uh, we'll learn more about, and we'll probably talk about that forever on this uh this forum, uh, we'll have many, many different discussions. Hopefully, we can bring in some uh, some uh, people in here that know something more direct. Some guests, uh, maybe in the future, we'll see where we go with that. But I was thinking that uh, you know we were talking about TSA doing their stuff, but DHS got stuff going on too in the cybersecurity world, and they recently just uh, had a report that comes out that doesn't really say much to me. I, I kind of read through it, and I'm like. I don't understand what they're trying to say here. Um, you know, Nick, what do you think about that? And that just, I, I had PTSD flashbacks from when I worked in Crystal City <laughs> of, of DHS, the Intel and Analysis Group showing up, thinking they were delivering some groundbreaking news. They would classify it, walk in and give a presentation to a bunch of electric sector leaders who would all go, yeah, and I've seen this before, or okay, so what? Um, like the, the, the drone one in particular that was pointed out that's been kind of circulated around a little bit. Uh, I looked at that and went, okay, there's maybe somebody thinks they're trying to do something, but this, to me, that's something I would expect maybe a teenage kid trying to cause problems. That doesn't tell me that there's a consolidated effort, um, taking a busted drone and running a, a conductor under it. That's, that doesn't, doesn't necessarily pique my, my interest or concerns. Um, also because it's, it's amateur hour. That's the piece that um, most of the, the INA analysts, they want to do great work. Uh, I was very fortunate that, that Nick Kwan, the one I worked with the most, was phenomenal. Um, I believe he actually went off in the private sector now, and last I heard he was going to be a trader or something on Wall Street. But, um, but he actually took the time to go and learn the industry. What keeps people up? What are the, the so what factors? Um, what, is, what could somebody actually do to a substation? He and I went out. Um, we actually had a, uh, we did a a work, center, or a work group meeting out at Pacific Northwest National Labs and spent an extra day going through some of their test beds, went over to the Volpen Test Hammer uh, facility. And Nick got a chance to really see, okay, this is what all of this really looks like in real life, not just um, looking at, at um, satellite imagery or, or, or trying to read something. Actually went and looked at the equipment and said, oh, okay, I can take a 22 long rifle and shoot at a transformer all day long and I'm just going to annoy it. I'll chip the paint. 
once he had that realization, then his products went through the roof. Um, and that's something that it's across the Intel agency, aside from uh, DIA, they're the only ones I know that really take their, their analysts to, frankly, most of them, it's their first or second job out of college. Uh, it's kind of the front end of Jack Ryan, not the, the back end of, of almost hmm. President Jack Ryan you get. But they would take them and run them through three separate one-week courses of critical infrastructure awareness. You'd go out. Um, I got to sit in on those when I was at, at DHS. They had a former uh, Navy nuke retiree who then worked at, uh, at the utility out there that put on the class form and say, okay, here's a substation. Here's, here's distribution. Here's transmission. Here's what that looks like on a satellite image. Here's a dam. Here's a mm. coal plant. Here's a nuke plant to really kind of put that ground truth in it for their analysts. And, and that's unfortunately, cool. that's one of those things when you cut budgets, that's one of the first things to go because you uh. can't put a direct ROI on it. But then you get products like this that I would imagine every every utility that has any sort of, of physical security or Intel group looked at that and went, this is a waste. Um, yeah, what what was the name of that report again? I know people might not know what we're talking about um, here. So it came out of the DHS Intel and Analysis. Um, I believe it, was, it might have been an NTAS report, National Terrorism Advisory System. Um, it's, yeah, the, well, the value, I think, to it is that it's a, it's a consolidation that as a security professional, you can take that consolidation down to your CFO, COO, um, et cetera, and say, look, here's what we're concerned about. Um, as far as breaking news, though, not yeah, that. that's that was my takeaway reading through it. I just felt, oh, this just doesn't have a lot to go. It felt like a checkbox report, like somebody was assigned this and we got to get it out the door. It didn't have the quality that I would have expected from um, analyst and hopefully I don't have DHS knocking on my door because <laughs> saying that. So if anybody's saying that, I'm saying that out of respect, you know, creative yeah. criticism. Uh, you know, let's let's look at that. But yeah, it wasn't the best uh, report I've ever seen. And the other piece to keep in mind with these is this may be the terror-lined version. Folks who have a, a secret or top secret clearance may have gotten more info. Um, yeah, I haven't at this point, but but that's also one of the challenges going back to the entire information sharing. Um, writing things above the tear line that are so vanilla that you can't do anything with it. That was, that was the thing I got beat up second most about when I was at DHS. The most was having the clearance program frozen for a year and a half over some administrivia. But, but that was the other piece was tell me something that I can take back and, and implement. Um, yeah. I remember being in a number of different, uh, you know, super secret conversations and getting in there and realizing I know more than they were telling anyone. Um, based on just public information. So, yeah, that's a, a good, you know, story for everyone out there listening. Uh, uh, don't expect that your top secret information is going to give you any more than you already know. Um, you probably have more information at, uh, readily available through things that we put out, our videos or any of the things that uh, you read on the Internet. You're going to find enough information to give you the fodder you need to back up your, your, the message you need to tell your, your organization. Um, I know what when I was at the utility, I I loved and, I'm, and Steve's not paying me to say this. I promise. I love the energy sec email that come out at the end of each week. <laughs> you know, here's all the things you may have missed, but also here's why you should care. The the so what factor, and that's what miss what's missing from a lot of these intel reports that come out um, from DHS and others. And it, frankly, it's because they they don't really know what the utilities need to know. And I know there's been programs sure over the, the years utilities to try to fix know that, either. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the other part is I know it when I'll see it. It's kind of like the old, uh, what's a catch in the NFL? Well, I'm not sure, but I'll tell you when I see it. 
you know, above the tier line, though, the, the challenge there, too, is that you can't do anything with it. So even if you got something that was like really, really hot information, like, wow, I, I, you can't go back to your organization and say, tell everybody, hey, we need to do this because of this. So that's always been another one of the, the, the I guess, criticisms in a sense that even if you get something, you can't do anything with it because you, you, know, you can't act on that information without revealing the information. Um, and so that's a challenge. So the classification issues, you know, where, where should it be? And unfortunately, you know, from a practical matter, we don't have anything between public and secret. You know, anything that comes out that isn't at the secret level, it generally tends to get leaked anyways. And so if it's things that they really care about, there's, yeah, it's very difficult to share things with industry and not have them leak out somewhere. Well, what did Bruce Schneier used to say? There's no, uh, there's no uh, security in obscurity. Um, so, you know, hiding that information really isn't helping anybody. I mean, it's not making you more secure or less secure. Um, there probably are some state sponsor information that they might want not to it, the bring sources and methods. Yeah, we don't want them to things. know that we know sort of thing. Yep. Yep. There, there, yep. There's that. but Yeah, there are one that was, well, there's the FOUO no foreign, which the FBI was pretty good about using to get decent information out. Although I remember once when we had to ask Mark Fabro to leave the room after he told them something so they could tell us what he told them. <laughs> that was an interesting one. <laughs> and that was one where everybody just chuckled and everybody knew what the score was, but it was just, that's some of the, the things you got to work through. Um, one of the air challenges it's, it's we a, always ran into. It's a one-way door. It's a one-way yeah. one door. Once it goes into the classified side, then it changes it. Okay. Yeah, that's one of the challenges we ran into with the, the clearance program is trying to get people cleared who were at a level of trust in their organization that they could implement change without telling people above them why. Um, but also at a low enough level, they were going to be involved in, in getting that information. Um, we'd always get a CEO and say, okay, well, we need you to use it at least once a year. Otherwise, we got to void your clearance out. And they, oh, yeah, sure, we'll do that. And then you wouldn't see them for three years, and they'd be upset that it was voided out. But um, on the flip side, they'd send an analyst who would then get the information, take it back to organization, and couldn't move forward with it. So that's always been a delicate balance. And it's, it's a level of trust you don't necessarily have anywhere else in your business. Um, but you've got to have it to make this stuff for make this actionable information. Well, I have this feeling that utilities are going to have a lot of action on their hands. Uh, lots of changes happening in the NERC set world. We've got a lot of changes going on with TSA being brand new. We've got um, DHS coming out with cybersecurity stuff. It is busy and it's just going to get more busy, um, you know, with ever changing, you know, cybersecurity threats, threat actors out there. You're never going to be done. This is a process and security doesn't end. There's not an end can't type in Google and say, where's the end of security and find it. So I think that's uh, kind of the message of the day. You know, we're, you know, keep your eyes on, on the wheel or on the road and hands on the wheel and um, get ready for a really fun ride and, you know, take deep breaths because this can be really stressful. And, uh, um, you know, if you have any, any, anybody out there looking for somebody to cry on their shoulder, you can always call us. We won't charge you for that. Uh, but we're also available to help you. We do quite a bit of work uh, out there in the industry. We have a, a good eye on what's going on and how to get through some of this, especially how to talk to regulators and how to respond to them. And that's, uh, that's sometimes 90% of the battle. So um, if you're watching this video and you want to connect with us, uh, please uh, give us a ring. We've got all kinds of information at uh, archerint.com. 
And uh, with that, I think I'm going to wrap up, guys. Uh, thank you very much for a wonderful conversation. And uh, been a pleasure. Uh, do another uh, Direct Connect here soon. Not only is Direct Connect available to listen to, you can also watch each episode on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Archer News Network. If you're interested in who we are and what we do, head on over to our website at archerint.com. That's archerint.com. You can also follow us on our social media platforms, Archer International on Facebook, Archer Energy Solutions LLC on LinkedIn, at Archer underscore INTL on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and check back every other week for brand new episodes.